Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hello, this is Jason Dupree. And Anna Landry. And this is OCR Talk. Thank you so much for listening in. This is episode number nine. What's going on, Anna? We got uh, we just had some big races this weekend, but... Uh... Yeah, a lot of big races this weekend. Um, other than recovering from Austin and recovering from the drive home. <laughs> That's about it. Just trying to kind of get back into the, the swing of it without treating the, that race as too much of a you know, full-on race, like, try not to recover for too long this week. Right. Trying to just get right back into, I think I re- took a, a day off yesterday, but it was mainly just kind of because of the way the day, day fell, and uh, did uh, went back to the gym today. Did you do any running yet? Not yet. I was supposed to today, but I woke up late, and yeah. That's right, you do the morning runs. Yeah. I haven't here lately because I've been getting into more of the group runs around here, because okay. it's just... It's just more fun to run with people, <laughs> but they run in the afternoons and the evenings. So sometimes with work, it's just hard to get there. I'm actually debating doing a morning run tomorrow myself to try to fit it in because I got to go to a client's tomorrow. <laughs> nice. So we'll see. I probably have to do the same. <laughs> well, I had a question to kind of start this one off. Let's talk about what, what do you, when you go to a race, what do you need to have with you? Like when you're packing your bag for your race, what do you want to make sure that you have and you don't forget for the race? So I have my high leap backpack that I bring to every single race and it has pretty much everything already in it that I need to just grab and go. Um, so I don't have to worry about forgetting anything. But for the most part, whenever I go to a race, of course I have the shoes that I'm going to wear and like a change of shoes for afterwards and like plastic bags or trash bags to put the nasty stuff in. <laughs> Baby wipes. Baby wipes are a lifesaver. <laughs> and if you're ever in, a, in the changing area with baby wipes, um, be nice and share. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
How about for the actual race? Like, what do you want to have on you while you're while you're running? So I I always run um I always run with my Garmin watch, of course, and I don't wear any sunglasses or anything like that. I have a necklace that I wear that's kind of sentimental to me and a bracelet that I wear that's kind of sentimental to me that if if I don't have them on, I almost feel like I'm I'm missing something or something's just not quite right. (laughs) Every once in a while, I'll have have, um, neither on me, but that's very seldomly. Yeah, I actually do make sure to take off my wedding ring because I don't want that thing getting sucked into the mud. (laughs) Right. You haven't gotten you one of those... uh cool Enso rings or something like that whatever they are i did you i did? had one oh. and it got sucked off into the mud so, <laughs> <laughs> so i was like well that's <laughs> well oh well <laughs> <laughs> at least it didn't happen to your real one <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i try to make sure so i obviously you know shorts and shoes and all that stuff but uh we're also wear a tom tom watch and i also depending on the race distance we'll throw some uh, goose into my pockets because I typically will run in some high leak shorts that I really like and they have zipper pockets so I don't have to worry about stuff coming out of them or losing the trash after I put it back in my pockets so like for this past weekend I had I usually take more just in case I didn't eat enough for breakfast but I had like four for the super and then two for the sprint and then eight I think only one for the super but it just all depends on how my breakfast is if I don't eat enough. I mean, I've had races where I didn't eat nearly enough and ate everything I had in my pockets before, uh, you know, first few miles. Yeah. I can't remember which race it was last year, but ever since that race, I made it a point to even, because I'm not a big breakfast eater, I made it a point, though, on race day to eat at least something because I totally bonked at that race. It was horrible. I think it was Central Florida. I'm pretty sure, um, earlier last year and yeah, just totally bonked because I didn't eat before the race. All I had was goose during the race (laughs) and like water stations and I felt horrible. So morning of race day, like at least maybe four hours before the race starts, I'll try and eat something like this past weekend. I got one of those like nature Valley peanut butter cracker things and I ate a few bites of that, and it's like not big and it's not heavy, so it didn't it didn't upset my stomach or anything. Yeah, and I know everybody's got their different, you know, what they eat before, how long before. For me, I will actually try to eat not too heavy, but a little bit more the night before, so that it's kind of left over for the morning. Obviously, I'll still eat breakfast, but it'll be a smaller breakfast. But if I eat enough the night before then it kind of carries over and it still fuels me fuels me that way. Yeah, if I eat a lot the night before, if I eat pretty carb-heavy or protein-heavy meal the night before, it, it usually lasts me until the morning, especially those early morning races. Before we talk about the races this weekend, I did want to mention this race came up in the Dallas area called La Nuit. It's a race put on by a Christian group where they bring... Bibles and other aid out to people in Africa and they put on a race they just started it last year and it's an overnight race and of course with toughest being all the rage now and so a lot of people getting into the longer endurance races I think this is a really good one that could be a good training race 
They have a normal like 5K and 10K, I believe. And they also have a three hour, a six hour and a nine hour option. And it's at Cedar Ridge. So anybody that's in the area knows Cedar Ridge really well. And they also will have breakfast all through the night. So they'll have like pancakes and eggs and bacon amongst all the rest of the normal, you know, salty foods and pickles and stuff like that for a typical trail race. But uh, really fun, really good training because you're not not only are you getting the intense heels of Cedar Ridge, but you're also getting the experience of being out at night on looped trails, which is typically what we're doing in these endurance, a lot of the endurance races. Yeah, and you don't get many chances to run at night because it's you think it, you're going to be okay running at night with just your headlamp, but it's it's completely different. Like it's a completely different, you know, strategy whenever you're running with your headlamp. You just have to get used to it. So it is on July 27th. The three-hour option starts at 9.15, whereas the longer ones, they all start at 9. And so people are going to be finishing, you know, 1 in the morning, 3 in the morning, wow. <laughs> 8 <Midnight>. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, they're actually doing a relay this year, too, which is really cool. So if anybody wants to go out there and not have to run the entire time, get a team of three people and take turns. Oh, that's cool. Which would be a lot of fun. I think it's usually a 5K route, and then... You just keep on going all night. That's pretty cool. Uh, it'd be cool, really cool. The medals that they have are hand-carved pieces of wood from the people that they work with in Africa. Oh, that's cool. So hopefully we can get some, get a crowd out there and have a good time. That would be. And all, when really is it awesome. again? July twenty seventh. July twenty seventh. Okay. Oh, it's a week after the battle race. Okay. Yep. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not sure how I'm going to rest in between those two, but we'll see. That'll be a quick taper. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, this past weekend was Big Bear, uh, the Spartan race in was South California, I believe, a big beast. Mm-hmm. Toughest in Australia, which Allison Ty went to and won, which is pretty amazing that she, obviously, world's toughest mother. We have a lot of people coming from all over the world, and she does really well at that, but it's a different story when you go overseas because you're getting different people, you know, the ones that can't travel so far. Yeah, and I'd imagine that terrain would just be unreal. Yeah, I think she said that it that it was pretty hilly. I don't know exactly where it was. Brisbane, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. One of the <laughs> but Deanna Blegg got second, which is pretty cool because she, you know, she was, I think, the winner of World's Toughest Mudder in on the second one that they did. The second or third mm-hmm. one, one of those. She's like Toughest Mudder royalty. <laughs> yeah, she's been around for a long time, and she's still killing it. I mean, she's yeah. got, I don't know, she was in the top ten easily in uh, maybe fourth, I forget, at World's Toughest this year. And the creator of Blegnitz, which I have yet to give a good try, uh, you know, at an actual cold race. But, I mean, a lot of people are swearing by them that they are awesome for keeping your hands warm. Yeah, you'll have to let me know how those work, because I've been considering them. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to be able to try them before World's Toughest to give you a good, like, hey, you should definitely get them, because... Maybe I'll just get them and experience it firsthand. (laughs) Yeah, I I did have, in 2016, at World's Toughest, I had neoprene gloves, and they worked pretty good, but that was a fairly warm year. Now, I should have brought them to the Dallas Ultra last year, Ultra Beast. Oh, that was but so I didn't. cool. I, <laughs> I had gloves, but my hands still got cold. But that's the, that's the thing is they say, you know, using mitt, mittens, 
mm-hmm. that your fingers stay together and that helps uh, keep your hands warm. And you can also ball your hands up too. So you put your fingers right in the palm of your hand and that helps keep your fingers warm. So yeah, Big Bear in Toughest Australia. And then Tough Mudder in Philly. Yeah, Tough Mudder Philly, which was their, I guess, their regional championship. For yeah. Tougher, yes. Yes, the Tougher Regional Championship. And and it was the first Tougher that was actually a one-loop, 10-mile course. Yep. Because they, yeah, a lot of people have been giving them feedback on the two loops. It, I don't know. I've... I don't know about you, but I I think I've seen maybe about 50-50. Like, once they run it, they're kind of okay with it. I don't know. I think the biggest complaint is the multi, multi-use of the obstacles. You know, doing the, some of the same obstacles over and over again. But actually, you know, we had such a good time at Toughest, but somebody told me that during the day, that trail had a huge backup, even on, you know, on your second lap. Oh, for yeah, the, the creek. Uh-huh. I heard Which, there was a well, creek. not even the well the creek too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know the trail, the single track trail, which makes a lot of sense. Like I didn't really think about that, and I was just telling people, you know, you just say on your left and go past them. But you know, if it's really jam packed, even that's kind of tough. So I don't know. And not a lot of people know that <laughs> know that yeah running etiquette. You know, yeah, I would imagine because there's there's not as many people running toughest that night whenever we ran but there was like scores of people running running it that day yeah i could see that being pretty rough i could definitely see it backing up oh that was such a good course though speaking of running etiquette just in case there are people listening that don't know some of those things let's talk about that for a second yeah if you're the one that's walking or running slowly stay on your right you know treat it like a road which is the way i always try to think about it just Mm -hmm. stay on your right let people pass you on your left, and if you are passing somebody, and obviously they may not hear you coming, depending on how fast you're going, so just give a shout out on your left, or passing on your left, or something like that, just something to let them know you're coming by, and most people are considerate enough to move off to the side and let you pass. Right. They're not doing it just to be like jerks about it. They're just wanting to run their race. Yeah, most people aren't. And and for those that do see people pass, you know, be considerate because if they are moving faster than you, there's no reason for you to hold them up. You're still going to be slower anyway, so just just let them pass and they'll be out of your way. Correct. And that also goes for like ultra beast races. Whenever it's two loops, whenever the the um, contenders for the ultra beast have their pennies on, they don't tell the racers this. I think they, well, I think they've started to, but I don't think everybody knows what it means. But like whenever somebody with an Ultra Beast vest runs by, you let them go on the obstacle first or let them run by. Um, I know there was a few times last year at the Dallas Ultra Beast where I got caught in a, in a backup. And so I just moved to the side and started running down the side of the trail and once they saw that I was in the green penny, they were like, oh, okay, let her through, you know? Yeah, I was very pleased at the Dallas Ultra Beast last year that their most everybody was extremely considerate. And the, the funny thing about it is if you're nice and considerate, people are more more likely to be nice and considerate towards you. Absolutely. Like, for example, passing up uh, the one of the Wounded Warrior Project groups or something, they're obviously going slow, and if they're in a spot where it's kind of tight... 
I still will hop around them, but I'll shout out, you know, great job, guys, keep it up, something like that, to just give them a little encouragement. And what are they going to say? Hey, stop it, go slow. You know, right. they're, they're just as considerate and nice, and they're like, hey, you too, and, and keep on going, or whatever. Yeah. So just treat people the way you want to be treated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought it was really awesome whenever I was running by people and they saw the Ultra Beast Penny and they were like, yeah, good job, go get them. Yeah, you know, like just giving them encouragement. Right, and some people would even shout it, Ultra coming through, Ultra coming through. Right, right. I, I know Ragnar, uh, I did the Ragnar Trail race last year in Central Texas, and it's pretty neat because they make you watch a video about trail etiquette and trail just rules and whatnot for the race before right. you do it, which is pretty pretty neat because I guess with obstacle racing, it's there's more to it than just running, so that the running part of it is something that, you know, not everybody has to run, so it's just not quite the same as trail running or road running. So there's a, you know, it's a different crowd. It's a different um, mentality, but there's a lot of carryover there. Yeah. So share the trail. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, just real quick about Tough Mudder Philly being a one-mile loop. That's kind of how we got on this topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't know if that's going to be something that we're going to see more of, or was it just because they had the tougher regional there? So, maybe they'll only be doing that for the tougher big races. Don't know. I guess we'll find out soon enough whenever the next one comes up. Right. And I imagine it's hard to find a venue that will let you map out, you know, a decent 10-mile course. Well, they've been doing it. I mean, I guess there's a, a plenty of reasons why we could speculate why they aren't doing it. But right. money obviously sounds like a, a, a normal one, a big one. Yeah, It absolutely. could be that. Mm -hmm. could be they're just finding ways to, to pinch their pennies. Maybe they've been doing all these big spectacle stuff all these years to make their you know, get their name out there, but I don't know, you know, there's no way we could really know that unless you knew somebody from Tough Mudder HQ and had all the details. Yeah, we don't have any insider information, so yeah, <laughs> all we can do is speculate. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to know the inner workings of that kind of stuff, but... Just to be nosy. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day all that'll come out. Maybe they'll finally get tired of people complaining and they'll be like, fine, here, here it is, yeah. laid out all the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> complete transparency <laughs> so spartan austin obviously there was a much bigger spartan race that was happening so you know ryan atkins and lindsey webster and robert killian and faith stinning and a bunch of those other big names were at big bear but you know the rest of us especially the texas folk were down in austin outside of austin in burnett texas i actually feel like i've been told it's burnett is it burnett i don't know he kept he kept pronouncing it burn it. Yeah, my Texas <laughs> wife told me it's burn it. So I I grew up in Texas and I just never <laughs> I never realized I was pronouncing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> well, she's from West Texas too, so oh, they, there you go. they pronounce things differently. So yeah. maybe that's why. There you go. You're a little too close to Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a, a super slash sprint weekend. So super on Saturday and the sprint on Sunday. I actually drove in with my buddy Mark on Friday. Um, we got there about three, and Reveille Peak Ranch, where the race is held, allows camping there, and it's like twenty-five bucks for the entire weekend, which is pretty sweet. And they moved their camping spot to where the race used to start at. So if anybody oh. knows the 
you know, remembers from years past the big pavilion by the lake that you run around to finish from two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. That's where the camping was at this year, which is nice. So we actually were just right next to that lake, and we we slept in our hammocks, and it was real breezy, and the temperature was about 70 degrees at night, and it was it was really nice. A much better area than where they had it before. Some cows roaming around, checking you out. <laughs> nice. So were y'all able to like just walk to the venue? No. Not really. In years past, the other spot was much closer where you could actually walk through a trail to get to the venue. Okay. But this was further away. So if you remember where the race starts now, where the parking mm-hmm. lot is, that's where they've always parked. But they used to shuttle us from there to over by that pavilion. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so now that they've moved where the where the race, the festival area is to where the parking lot is, it's nice because you don't have to get shuttled. But yeah, the we actually did have to drive from the uh, from the camping area to the festival area to get to park there. We did catch one guy on the way back that was walking from the festival area back to the oh, camping geez. area, and we picked him up because <laughs> we've done that ourselves before and know what it's like. So. Gave him a ride. He, I think he was already like an hour into his walk. <laughs> oh, geez. He had been going for a while. Wow. We saw a few people walking down the side of the road. Yeah, sometimes you catch people who are worried that they're not going to make their race time. Because mm-hmm. the parking lines can get pretty long later in the day. So they'll be hopping, hopped out, let whoever's in the car park, and they'll run, you know, walk or run to the venue and go faster than the cars are moving. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was probably the case at some point this weekend. For anybody who does deal with the parking situations, the backups, the getting there late, the race times getting pushed back later, if you have issues with that and you complain about it, I would just like to say go ahead and pay more money to either run elite, competitive, age group, whatever, or pay for that morning that morning race time because it is well worth the money. Uh, Definitely. If you, if you are a complainer, if you go there and you are cool with the crowds and whatnot, that's that's fantastic. But if you're a complainer, <laughs> stop complaining and just pay the extra money. It's well worth it. Believe me. Well, and I heard a few people whenever I was getting ready for my heat, I heard a few people that weren't running until like 11 o'clock and they were already there at 7 o'clock in the morning just so they could get a decent parking spot. Yeah, people know that that happens. I mean, yeah. it, it pr- pretty much happens at most races every year. So later in the day, you're going to have to deal with backups and getting there super early, uh, the better off you are. Definitely. It's just inevitable. The weather on sa- Saturday was really good. It actually, in the morning, I don't think the sun came out until maybe 1130. So that made for a fantastic morning heat, you know, the entire time yeah. that we were out there. Although it was like 70, 75 degrees, it was still overcast, and it just felt fantastic. Oh, it was so nice. It was still a little overcast. The water was still a little cool whenever you went through the water. It was perfect. I th- yeah. <laughs> I think we had just warmed up just enough at the first water crossing that it was, you know, like, oh, this is fantastic. I dunked my head in. It just felt yeah. really, really good. <laughs> And that dunk wall. <laughs> I mean, there was only a couple of, I'd say maybe three or four water crossings. Yeah, and then they had that one little water area um, in the sandbag carry, but a couple of puddles. <laughs> yeah, there's only that one spot besides the dunk wall that you got up to your up to your chest or your neck or whatever. Yeah, 
It wasn't too much, but it was nice. I enjoyed the trails that they took us through. They took us, apparently they took us up the hill all the way to where the cross is, but I didn't even notice it. (laughs) (laughs) You were running too fast. (laughs) I can tell them by everybody that, hey, did you see, you know, it was cool that they took us all the way to the cross. I'm like, really? They did? I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, now everybody's like posting pictures on Facebook of, (laughs) you know, them and their groups up up at the cross. (laughs) Like, did I? Is that how I got a fast time? Did I miss it and cut the course somewhere? <laughs> the back half, the 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 super half of the course, it honestly was very lacking on obstacles. But it was, I'd say, it made up for it with the terrain. You know, that's where all the the real hills were and the really rocky faces and all that. So there was only like three or four extra obstacles that weren't in the sprint, which. Kind of doesn't really even matter anymore, but uh, right. <laughs> it it uh, it was surprising when we looked at the map and saw that that was the case. I was like, "Wow, it's a, okay, we're going to run eight miles, but half of it's going to have twenty obstacles, and the other half's going to have twenty, you know, four. Right? Uh, it seemed a little off balance. Yeah, it it seemed like between probably right at mile five or six, it was just a really long stretch of just running until you got to like the inverted wall or something like that. I feel like people that were walking, going slower, might have had a harder time with that. For being in the competitive heat and running the whole way, it it didn't feel that bad. No, it really didn't. And there was definitely some climbs. There was definitely some hills. I get nervous on those on those granite outcroppings that they have because sometimes mm-hmm. I just don't know how slippery it's going to be, especially since it was a little wet. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the climbs. I enjoy running on terrain like that just because I don't get the chance to very often. So, so yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Festival area was nice. The very end, they had a couple of walls and then a Herquois, then a rig, then Olympus, which I think that little small gauntlet, which uh, to me, it, it didn't bother me, but a lot of people had trouble. You know, the Herquois can really take it out of you and then trying to do one hanging obstacle and then Olympus right after. And Olympus isn't anything crazy, but when your grip is gone, it's it's it can be really tough. I didn't really have any problem with those obstacles either. I, I made it through the multi-rig and I made it through, um, I did Hercoist fine. Usually I don't struggle with Hercoist very much and it doesn't take too much out of my grip. But whenever I got to Olympus, I was just running straight through because I could see that finish line. <laughs> I was just running straight through and... I didn't like stop and catch my breath before I got on Olympus. I just got on <laughs> and I just started going across. I'm like, I'm almost there. I can see the fire jump. I'm almost there. So I got it all the way through and there was some girl that was like videoing me or Facebook living or something and I still haven't found the video. So if anybody knows of the video out there, just let me know or post it on our fa- on our Facebook page because it's somewhere out there. I don't know. But anyway... I made it all the way through Olympus, and I was on the last couple grips. I was so gassed. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just so exhausted. <laughs> and I leaped for the bell, and I just went, I probably missed it by like maybe three <laughs> inches. It was just, it was just so heartbreaking. Like, I must have looked at her like, oh my gosh, now I have to do 30 burpees. <laughs> Uh, right at the end. <laughs> right at the end. And, like, I made it all the way through, all the way across. I hate that. Whenever you just whiff the bell, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I got some questions. When you go across Olympus, which holds do you use? So, when, since it was dry and it wasn't it wasn't wet, I liked using the chains and the holes. 
every once in a while I'll go for the rock climbing grips if I'm trying to get to one of those grips, but usually the chains work pretty well for me. And if not the chains because if they're if they're wet or too muddy or whatever, I'll use the holes. Okay. Your feet, do you put them just your like your toes on the wood or you try to put them flat? Uh, I don't try and put them completely flat. I'm almost like kind of in a squat on the wall, I guess. Okay. But I kind of try and treat it like a Z wall, you know, where you kind of move your hands, then move your feet, then move your hands, then move your feet. Right. And if I if I break it down in my head like that, I think I've been getting better at that obstacle because I can break it down like that. Yeah, you want to have three points of contact at all time, right? Yeah, I just try and keep my feet moving and my hands moving. And because the longer you hang there, the more you're just going to get more exhausted and just start to slip. And that's what happened to me at the very end. <laughs> yeah, and as that obstacle doesn't seem like a long ways across, it, it can take you a while to get across if you, depending on which hold you're using. But like, I use the holes and I don't touch anything else. And... I know if I reach, I can reach for like, so basically, you know, there's, there's these holes and there's different levels, which is, that's one of the tougher parts about it. But if I'm holding the first two holes and I reach for the third one, and then I come up, bring my rear hand to the second one, I can do that. And that just, it's kind of slow. It's like doing twister with, you know, one, one hold at a time, basically. It just takes time. Now I can reach for that fourth hole. But it, because of the slant on the wall, it really spreads me out and makes it harder to go smooth and quick. So I, I've tried that before, and I don't, I don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go one hole to the next and just work my way across. But I do actually keep my feet nice and flat because I just feel like the the more surface area I've got on there, the the stronger I'm going to be. Yeah, I usually push off off like the front of my foot so I, I think that's why I'm usually up on the balls of my feet because I'm trying to yeah and that makes sense uh if you do ever feel like you're slipping try and try and get your heel on there too see see if that helps yeah and yeah I try and get my feet up like as high up on the wall as possible even if it feels mm -hmm. like I look ridiculous that's probably <laughs> I'm probably doing it right you know <laughs> right don't keep them low even though it it wears out your grip, but you have to to keep your feet on the wall. Yeah, because that obstacle just forces you in a locked out position with your arms. If you don't, you're going to be on your knees, and that's no good. Yeah, that hurts. I, the first time I, I made it all the way through Olympus, I, I ended up on my knees. Oh, my goodness. The next day, they were black and blue and <laughs> scraped up. It was terrible. But that was cruel, putting it at the end. <laughs> at the end with all the spectators, and I just... Yeah. Oh, how how fast did you crank out those burpees? Oh my gosh, I was so heartbroken that I was. Like, <laughs> I did, did you just do them slow. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I I just I just started doing them, and since I ran age group, there were so many people in the burpee zone, but since I ran age group, I I kept worrying about like you know getting penalized or something like that oh, or yeah. dq'd for a stupid reason so i made sure to like grab one of the race officials and say hey you got my bib number because i'm doing 30 burpees and i'm getting credit for every <laughs> single one <laughs> so so uh yeah i had stopped after i did like five burpees and i i told him i was like hey i'm already five in this is my bib number i'm i'm doing my penalty <laughs> 
How did they mark it? Did they write it on a little board and show it to the camera? Yeah, they had a little clipboard. And what's weird is at the end there, he didn't like put me on camera or anything. I just, or he didn't tell me where to, where to go or where to do my burpees. Well, I think as long as you're in the penalty zone, you know, the burpee area, it should see you. So yeah, he just wrote my, wrote my bib number down on a clipboard and that was pretty much it. For, for our age group, he, I don't feel like that burpee zone was enforced as strictly. I don't know. I think they're taking it pretty serious because I, I've seen, you know, some of the other races where they have been disqualifying people for sure. Kind of neat. I actually just this afternoon finished listening to uh, the latest episode of Link Endurance and they were talking to a guy that is a race official for Spartan. Oh, yeah. And that. he was saying that if you get DQ'd, you, you'll see it on some, some board, maybe at the results tent. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's up on the screen. Okay, so if you see that, you can go to them, and you know, if you feel confident that you did all your burpees, you can go to them, and they will review the video right in front of you, and so you can sit there and count out your burpees yourself. So, I guess I just feel like whenever I told him my bib number, he just kind of blew it off. I think that's <laughs> I think that's why. I mean, I I was pretty close. No, to... you're just double checking. That that it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just kind of blew me off. They've DQ'd Ryan Atkins before for s silly things, so I understand. Yeah, and I just didn't want anything stupid like that to happen because it's one thing. Because I was I was getting pretty close to the top three in my age group, and I mean I ended up finishing fifth. And if there was a chance that I was in that top three, I didn't want to be DQ'd for a stupid reason. And also a little, I was I was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, because I was looking at my finishing time and I was shooting for under two hours this time because. The past few years that I've done it, it's always been like two hours, two hours and 13 minutes, something like that. And I, I came in at 156. So I was nice. I was glad that I finished it in under two hours. But then I also finishing so close to like the top three. <laughs> yeah. And as competitive as I am, I'm like, man, I'm like going back in my head to all those times on the course where, you know, I was walking or <laughs> I stopped at a water station or something like that. So, yeah. Yep, just a little bit harder that, you know, you can push now. Exactly. I just kept thinking about all those moments during the race. But, you know, next time. So I had a huge improvement myself with my time. I, I think the best I've done at that, you know, not, this race was, I think, a little shorter than it typically is out there. But my Time is kind of the same, like a little over two hours, and I am, I improved all the way up to an hour and 35 minutes, which is pretty cool. But while I've gotten age group 14th, I believe, for the Super there before, this year I was 22nd. So even though I improved a huge amount, it's just the you know level of competition is rising so much. Yeah, I noticed that a lot more people are running age group. Because I noticed that on Sunday, whenever I went to run the elite sprint, I had no business in that heat, by the way. <laughs> and those girls are fast. Yeah, I just wanted to get the experience. But yeah, there was only like maybe 20 of us in the elite heat because everybody's running age group now and they're they're getting competitive with age group. Right. And I think that's kind of what they're going for is to separate out the, the real elites versus everybody else. But it's, you know, you, you got to have some kind of actual qualifying. Like at the championships, there is like you do have to qualify in elite or in age group at these other races to be able to race there. But at a normal race like 
Austin, it was, it, there still isn't a qualifying, here's who gets the race elite and who doesn't. Like, to me, I was thinking about it, what, what's to keep somebody that's really good that normally runs age, uh, that normally runs elite, but gets 20th from running age group and winning it? Like, what if Ryan Atkins decided he wanted to run age group? Is there something keeping him from doing that? Or is it open to just anybody? Right. Because that would be kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the the incentive for the elites is, you know, obviously the cash prizes. But yeah, like you said, sure. it's for those people that would run the elite heat that would maybe place like 20th or whatever that are consistently not podium, getting to the podium and then running age group and then just sweeping age group every time i see your point right i'm really interested to see where it goes because i i'm pretty positive toughest in europe has a pretty good system for how they there is a wave that you sign up for and you have to get you know a certain speed or a certain time or or placement to get into the elite field so when you see the elites run at their races it literally is like 15 people maybe yeah it's kind of like qualifying for the boston marathon you know i mean you know you have to well boston marathon is the big one but how do you qualify to run as elite at a smaller right. marathon you know that's the that's the thing that they're still working on i guess and it seems like they'll get there they're doing good so far i think i like the changes that they've made yeah this year. it definitely has grown the competitive waves like even the guys the guys field is just so stacked even in the even in the age group categories yeah in my age group, I believe it was 150 or so people. How many was in your age group? I think mine was 46. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure there was only like 46, 30 to 39 female athletes that ran. And we're we're both in the same age bracket, just you know, male and female. So yeah, it is interesting to see that there's three times the amount of guys running. Right. So... Yancey brought this up whenever they first announced the age groups, and I wanted to get your input on this. He was saying how they should split up the 30 to 39 age group into, because some of the other age groups are five-year age groups, but right. the 30 to 39 is a 10-year age group. So obviously there's going to be more people. And, you know, somebody that's just turning 30 is at a different fitness level than somebody who's 39. And and if you break it down by fitness types and how you change over the years of your life, I can understand that. But from a business perspective, I can definitely understand that they are doing it to fit the right amount of people into each wave. So whereas 30 to 39 guys go first and then the 30 to 39 girls go on Saturday, they started all the 30 to 39 guys and girls at the same time because it you know, had less people because it was a Saturday. I mean, on, on Sunday for the sprint. Yeah, because on, on the day for the super, whenever they started the women 30 to 39, they looked at the crowd and they were like, oh, well, <laughs> not too many of you. <laughs> yeah, so they, they tried to break it up into a way that makes sense for race logistics. But I think they're really looking at it to see, you know, are we going to get a big enough crowd in these age groups to, to split it up if we need to next year? So they're doing it this year, but it could change for next year because I think 30 to 39 is pretty, pretty popular as far as the guys go, at least. Yeah. And I mean, you can always split up the age groups, but still have them go at the same 
same time because obviously they they can still track age groups. Yeah, but if it gets down to where you got ten people in an age group, it's just right. That's that's more that they got to do and give out and deal with and all that stuff. Yeah, so. especially at those smaller races, I guess. All right. Well, how was your sprint? <laughs> how was your sprint? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got to have a part of a sprint. <laughs> right. <That's> the... <laughs> I I got a good sprint up until about we had maybe half a mile left. <laughs> yeah, we we almost got to do the entire course, which is you know as as crazy. So let's back up so everybody understands what we're talking about now. Uh, the it ended up raining uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning, and of course the this continued on into the morning on Sunday and. So the the weather got really bad, and throughout our race, when we were out there on the course, it started lightning and thundering, and of course they had to stop the race for that. So tons of people are out there really upset because they didn't get their run, but we were really fortunate that even though it, it was rough and kind of sucked that we got stopped and all that stuff, it was still still kind of neat that we actually got to run the course for a while. Yeah, for a little bit anyway, because that's where, we, I mean, we all got stopped at the rope climb. So there was only three waves that went out, the men's elite, the women, the women's elite, and then the first age group heat, which was the 8 a.m. heat. Yeah, the male and female, 8 a.m., uh, 30 to 39. So we all got stopped at the rope climb because there was lightning less than two miles away. <laughs> Did y'all... Uh, pass up any obstacles without doing them before the rope climb? I didn't. I heard there was people doing that, and I think there was a few people that were a little upset that pe- people were allowed to do that, and some people didn't, but... Yeah, by the time we got to, I think the very first one that they told us to go around was the vertical cargo net, and then Twister was right after it, and of course, I'm cheering for that one. Yay, we don't have to do Twister, because <laughs> it's wet, and that's, you know, that's an extra difficult one. That sucked. Uh, when it's wet, for sure. I made so. it, like, halfway through. <laughs> yeah, I was happy to go around it, but then we got to the rope climb, and, it, and they told us to stop, so that was... That was kind of rough. It was very funny to come to this crowd of people. Yeah. <laughs> Just hanging out at the rope climb, having a party at the rope climb. <laughs> so the elite men had made it through, or at least a few of them did. <laughs> what, like I think six, the fr- I, think? I think they said the first four. <laughs> <laughs> Only the first four actually got to finish the course. Yeah, I feel like I heard that a couple, like number four, number five, were right at the end, and they were telling them to stop, and they're like, "No way!" And they went ahead. And <laughs> yeah, they went ahead and finished. Shoot, I would have too. <laughs> I yeah. don't blame them. So we all stood out there and waited for them to decide what was going to happen next. And man, the uh, wind and the rain kicked up, and it just kept getting colder and colder. And of uh, course, yeah. we're all out there, you know, half of our clothes on, and uh, <laughs> it just got kind of got a little miserable there for a bit. Yeah, and I know they don't come to that decision lightly to to cancel a, a race because, you know, they know thousands of people have registered for it and traveled for it and everything. So, yeah. but um, I mean, I'm glad they did. I'm a little uh, bummed I didn't get to run the whole course and finish <laughs> the sprint. But at the same time, you know, for the safety of the racers, I completely understand because I didn't know, you know, I knew there was lightning and, you know, thunderstorms coming into the area. And I didn't know until a friend that lives in the area had texted me and was like, yeah, there was three tornadoes that touched down in Leander. Oh, wow. It's like, you know, 15 minutes away from the venue. Yeah, So I'm like, yep, glad I didn't finish that race. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny standing out there, though, because, you know, in my mind's like, well... 
if I finish this, does it really matter? I'm just going to get another t-shirt and a medal that I've gotten 20,000 of anyways. And we didn't even get a t-shirt. <laughs> but there was a part of me that was like, I still want to finish the obstacles and, and right. see if I can do them in the rain. You know, like. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think I was, I was going through uh, the sandbag here and I can't remember who I was, I was talking to, or maybe it was one of the creek crossings whenever it started to rain. I was like, man, I was kind of get starting to get worried there. I was a Texas OCR without rain. That's like unheard of. <laughs> That's true. Starting to wonder where all the rain was. <laughs> we did finally get out of there. And they they finally, shoot, they were kicking people out before they even called the, you know, officially canceled the race. But when we finally did get out of there, the roads getting out were a mess. And I know we got out before you guys did. Mm -hmm. And there was one little hill that looked like, it didn't look like people were going to make it up it. But we just gunned it through and then made it on out. But I was, I was a little worried about my little Prius. <laughs> Yeah, I was worried going through that through that little hill. I was worried about sliding down it, yeah, and just being a disaster. But thankfully, we made it through. So for everybody to get stuck in those situations when you got to go up a hill, don't try and take it slow. <laughs> just gun it up it because and let the person in front of you go first. <laughs> right, let them get out the way and then just go for it. Yeah, because if you go slow, that you're more likely to slide and stop and get stuck. Yeah, that whole parking situation was a mess. I know a lot of people have so much to say about it. Oh, my goodness. That's all I see on my oh, news yeah. feed right now. <laughs> is, I mean, I know people are upset about it, and I know people are really bummed, and, you know, they want their money back and this and that. But, I mean, like I said, they don't, they don't come to those decisions lightly. Like, they don't want to cancel the race either. Yeah, they're, and they're not just running away with our money. Right. You know, they are giving us... They've given everybody the chance to defer their race to another race. Right. Now, there might be a little extra cost involved in that, depending on what you paid for this race. Like, I got it with a coupon or something or a code or something and got it for only 85 after all of uh, the fees and everything. So, yeah, signing up for another race, even with the deferral the deferral code and, and getting my monies back for that is still... Signing up for next year is going to be a little bit more. Yeah. So. And I, I've seen also a lot of people saying that, oh, I got my deferral code, but I'm still having to pay $15. Well, that $15 is the insurance fee that they can't do anything about. Yeah. And if you saw it in the email, they did say that they added that 15 into what you got for your Correct. deferral code. Yeah. So. But yeah, for anybody that's out there that hasn't um, gotten that yet, you should get an email. Check your junk mail. It gave the instructions on how to do that. And if you, even if you didn't get that, just go to the Chrono Track website. Take a look at that race. So you got to look in the past race section, and there's a button to change race. And from there, there should be an option for defer, and it'll produce a code for you. And then you can take that code and use it to register for another race. Yeah, and just be patient if, if you haven't gotten your email. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, there is. The website for Austin 2019 is up already, so you can go register for next year if no other races this year work out for you. You know, obviously you can put it to something else this year, but I've put mine towards Austin next year, so. <laughs> I haven't decided what I'm doing with mine yet. <laughs> well, I was already signed up for the Dallas Sprint, and I'm not going to do, I'm not going to want to go back to Glen Rose the day after the Ultra, so. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, I signed up for the Ultra Beast and then the Sprint the next day, and I didn't. You did? Yeah, I didn't run the Sprint though. I skipped out on the Sprint because I was like, "What oh, was you I did last year?" Yeah, I was like, "What was I thinking?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you want to stay in a hotel for another day just so you can go be miserable for four miles? <laughs> yeah. It was cold, and driving home through that weather was terrible because from one end of Houston to the other was just torrential downpours. Like, you could not even see the lane markings, and I was I was nervous oh, wow. driving home. Yeah, we went straight north and got out of it, so it wasn't so bad. I didn't think about y'all going back to Louisiana. It was a terrible drive home. I think it's, a, it's usually like a six-hour drive, and I think it ended up being closer to eight eight and a half <laughs> well i got uh it w this is already going <laughs> longer i don't know how we just we just talk about this stuff forever we need to i need a i need to hire an editor to take care of this for me <laughs> or somebody to like keep us on subject on topic but one last thing i want to talk about and then we'll wrap it up i forget exactly where i heard this i know it wasn't on, on another podcast but being proud of your best effort, not your best placement. If I thought about it, if it wasn't later in the evening, I'd probably remember where this came from. But nonetheless, I think that's really important because, you know, we all have different goals. And I think my race was a perfect example of this because I have placed higher in my age group in years past. But obviously, I ran way faster than I ever have and completed all the obstacles, got the spear even. And, you know, so I was proud of that. I didn't care that I only got 22nd. Uh, now, it helped that I've already qualified for North American Championships already through another race, so it didn't bother. <laughs> you know, that probably would have bugged me. 22nd, you know, just right there because you got to be top 20. But I, I think that's important is to, you know, what are your goals? Uh, Ryan Atkins said it really well in one of the late interviews he was in recently in that you got to have goals that are reachable. You know, saying, hey, I'm going to go out and win Tahoe. You know, that's like if you're not Ryan Atkins or one <laughs> of those guys, it's tough to say that realistically. So you just want to have realistic goals for yourself. For myself, it was I know I've run this course, you know, a similar course in two hours. I think I can do it under that. That was my goal. And I did it. And I was very proud of that. And instead of getting caught up, I could have been upset that I didn't get 14th or below. But that's not always the important thing what about you yeah I think I think I could apply that to my race as well because I mean even though I placed where I did and you know I I placed pretty well I can always look back at what I did and you know look for areas of improvement like if it wasn't for me whiffing the bell <laughs> I would have ran a clean race <laughs> and those are kind of hard to come by sometimes but going into this race I knew the terrain I knew the venue I kind of knew what they might do with the with the course. So I really wanted to take advantage of like the hills and the climbs and just see what I could do on that kind of elevation. Because since I don't get a chance to ever train on that kind of thing, I have to simulate it either on a treadmill or something like that. Just to see how I've improved, like you know, just two years ago, I was pretty much walking all those uphill climbs, you know, <laughs> and this year I was, I was pretty much for the most part running, running or jogging most of them, you know, or making my way up them. So, yeah, that's awesome. you know, celebrate the little victories, like, you know, running up the hills when I wasn't able to two years ago <laughs> <laughs> and don't focus on, yeah, you whiff the bell at the end. <laughs> all right, real quick. Let's give one tip 
what do you do for post-race recovery? Post-race recovery is I bring a, a foot roller in my race bag. So I just like roll my foot. For right after. Right. I roll my foot on that okay. because it just, it feels amazing. <laughs> but that, and I usually, I usually drink hammer supplements after the race, okay. the recover right. Because it's, it's got like carbs and all the stuff you need to recover. That usually quells my inflammation and all the soreness for the next day. The thing I try to focus on the most is stretching and making sure to get those muscles relaxed and so everything gets tight and even on a, you know, from running more endurance, I feel like a nine or an eight mile race isn't really that big of a deal, but it still did wear me out and made me a little, a little sore. So just make sure I do my morning stretches and kind of stretch throughout the day. All right. I think that's going to do it before we get too close to an hour here. We're already right up on it. <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we go? Oh, I know we've said his name a lot of times, but I still want to say, uh, give a shout out to Chris Cusick for saying hi to me on the course at the race. Yeah, I actually ran into him on the way into the venue on uh, Sunday and poor guy didn't get to run. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was nice to get to uh, meet a listener. It was very cool. Yeah, that was fun. So everybody else that's out there, you know, check us out. You see us at a race, hit us up. Say hello. Chances are Jason will have OCR talk written on him somewhere. <laughs> yes, I am getting, I'm going to get some temporary tattoos. <laughs> I'm doing it for sure. I looked at the prices today. They're not nice. bad. So I'll have some ready to go for the next one. You have any good races this weekend? Uh, No, not this weekend. We're uh, we're volunteering at uh, in Baton Rouge at Gym Fit Fest. It's like a oh. kids uh, festival. It's like family friendly. They're going to have like all sorts of acrobatics and Cirque du Soleil stuff that you can play on and um, Battle OCR is going to go set up a little mini course for the kids to play on and everybody so should be fun well I'm going I'm taking my family down to Belton Texas it's a little bit past Waco I have a, a little family oriented charity obstacle race that we we've run the past couple of years so we're gonna go cool. do that so everybody uh you know, hope, hopefully you had a, a good w uh, race weekend and, and were able to make it through the, the weather issues if you were down here. Thanks for listening. If you've made it, uh, if you're still with us at episode nine, the next one be big, the big one. Double digits. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So where we, we usually post when we're out at races, we're posting something uh, almost every weekend. So follow us there and... You got any questions or any thoughts? Any thoughts about anything we said? Hit us up on Facebook. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, and definitely let us know when you're racing or what races you're doing on the weekends. We'd love to know. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, y'all. Follow, listen, and talk.
Jacqueline, you want to say hello? No. Bye.